Okay. Well, I'd like you to meet another one of our wonderful leaders on Soul Survivor. She is half of my boss because her other half you will meet tomorrow night. I would like you to meet the wonderful Carolyn Kitto. Come on, everybody. Be young and Friday. Come on. What are you? Honestly. It's like you're a bunch of young adults. Come on. <laughs> thank you, Matt. And thank you to those of you who put your clothes... Mine actually looks quite good inside out, I reckon. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new fashion statement, isn't it? Thank you to those of you who wore your clothes inside out today and got a selfie taken. Um, we'll be putting them on our Facebook page, Stop the Traffic Australia, um, starting for Fashion Revolution Day. And you can go on, you can like our page and you can share your photo so that we can spread that news. I want you to just think back over the day. Think back over how it started. Were you relieved that the sun was shining? <laughs> Matt was. <laughs> what have been some of the great things that have happened in your day-to-day? -day? Was the food good? Did you get to some good electives? Uh, did you have fun? Oh, yes, there's fun over here and fun over there. <laughs> Not sure there's fun anywhere else. I want you to just kind of recall the day. You might want to shut your eyes and think back, but just recall the day. What was good in your day? What are you grateful to God for in your day? Now, let's share some of those things, just in one or two words. What are you grateful for from today? Singing on the bus trip. Great. Someone else? Yarrabah. Breakfast. Dinner. Jesus. Woo. Okay. It's everywhere. And... One of the reasons why we have offerings in the church is to show our gratefulness for the goodness of God and the things that have happened in our lives. I want to tell you a story. And this is a story of a little community in the northeast of India. The northeast of India is very, very impoverished. Most of the people who live there are tribal or indigenous and, and delete. And they're very looked down upon in the society. And in 1910, some of the people in this community started to become Christians. It's called Mizoram. And they didn't have money. They didn't have much of anything at all. But one lady decided that what they would do is that every time they cooked a meal they would put a cup of rice into a bucket. And then on Sundays, they would take their bucket to church and the buckets would all be added together and then they would sell the rice to make money so that the church could run and that they could do mission work. That's been going in that community for over 100 years. It's been passed on from grandmother to mother to daughter. And last year, in that little community, by everybody giving their cup of rice, and some have gone more than one cup of rice because they've actually discovered that there is great joy in giving. Last year, that community, through the rice that was given and then sold, that church 
made one and a half million dollars. US. And you see, what we're invited, it's a, it's a lot of rice. <laughs> it's a lot of rice. When we are invited to give, we're invited to give out of what we have, no matter how big or how small that is. We're invited to give more than anything our whole lives. We're just saying, I surrender. But we're also to, invited to give some of what it is that we have. So I'm going to invite you as we do the offering tonight. Um, I want you to stand as a symbol that you are offering yourself first and foremost. For those of you that want to offer money, it'll also make it easier for you to get your wallets out. <laughs> That's an actual action that you need to do. <laughs> So I think up here on the screens is the bank account's going to go. I did that last night. It worked really well. <laughs> um, so if you want to give electronically, if you've got your bank account on your, on, your, on your smartphone, you can do that. The, um, the offering people are going to be going around. And if you, now that you're standing, it's easier to walk, you can head over into the corner there and you can do PayWave. Um, as, the, as the new easy form of offering. So if you haven't got money, no excuses, folks, if you've got a card. Let's, in this attitude of giving, remember the goodness of God to us. Remember a little community that's as poor as dirt in the northeast of India that gave a million and a half dollars. And remember that God has given each of us something good and we have that something good to give it away because we don't know how good it is until we've given it to someone else amen okay so music's going to play Alrighty. Thank you everyone for helping us to do what we're enjoying together with God. Are you ready everybody for Ali Martin? Give it up, give it up like a Friday night. Well, welcome Ali. Thank you all. How are you enjoying your time in Australia? I'm loving it. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, what did you do today? What did I do? Mm, I no, didn't... actually, what did you do yesterday? 
Did I not tell you? I did tell you. I did told you? them. Yeah, I did. Are you I? sure? I went. No. Oh, that was the day before. I, I saw a koala yesterday. I went and just stood in awe at the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House, and we went to Manly and had fish and chips. It was pretty good. I love Sydney. I got to tell you. Yeah, I love it. Would, would you and the family move here? Oh. What have you said? <laughs> My mum will hunt you down and shoot you. <laughs> she won't. Well, fair enough. She's not with me anyway. Good. Now, yeah. Ali, Hello. For those of us who haven't met you yet, um, Ali, tell us what, what do you do back home? What's life back home? Uh, back home, I am a full time mum, but a part time soul survivor person. Um, so I, um, I help pastor the church that we lead together there um, called Soul Survivor. And also we run. Uh, festivals called Soul Survivor throughout our summer, your winter, our summer. We do five festivals, kind of back to back, five, five days. Yeah, it's good fun. Excellent. And Ali, tell us a little bit about the church. It's in a place called Watford. Watford, yeah. And um, It's not very glamorous. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. Uh, but tell, tell, tell us a little bit about the church. Okay, yeah. Well, we've been going about 24 years. We're part of the Church of England. Um, people don't often realize that, that about us because we meet in a big warehouse. Um, yeah, and we, uh, we have this kind of mission that we want to uh, reach Watford and the world with the good news of Jesus. We're a bit weird like that. And so we, we're, we're passionate about our community. We're passionate about Watford. Uh, we, we're passionate about um, our local area coming to know Jesus. But also we, we have this odd calling on our life as a church just to be a blessing to the church in the UK and beyond. And there are, and not to be boring, but there, I don't mean, I'm, this isn't boring for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. This isn't boring yeah. for me, but yeah. there are three church services. Yes. And over the, over the day, there's about how many pop about, along at the moment? About 700 in a day. Overall, the church is about 1,000 people, but not yes. everyone comes on one day. No, no. And the reason why I asked that is because I think that, I think us as young, young people uh, <laughs> would like to hear that the yeah. church began with young people. Yeah. Yeah. When Mike, my boss, started the church, there was 12 of them. Most of them were young, were teenagers, no money, you know, um, nothing, no building to meet in, no skill set in one sense. They just got together and worshipped Jesus. And the heart right from the beginning was that we would be a church that always had a priority towards young people. And even though we now have people in our church, on a Sunday morning, we've got about 140 every week in our kids' work. Um, but so we, we, we're now a family church. We've got right through to a million babies to very, very old people, but it, you can't, the way in is the way on. When God calls people, when he calls organizations, when he creates family, often the things that he speaks to you about at the start is the stuff that he'll always speak to you about. And um, for us, it's young people always. Yeah, so I just, I'd love you to be encouraged that that church began with young, yeah. young people, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Good. Okay, we pray. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've got things to say to us tonight. Mm. And thank you that what you're going to bring to us is good. Help us to receive it by your spirit. Bless Ali and our hearts as we hear and obey you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, we love Matt, don't we? Can we show him how much we love him? This guy... <laughs> he's a wonderful leader a wonderful friend a wonderful dad a god-loving man who loves every single one of you guys and i love working with him so yay Right, we're talking about what it means to live a spirit-led life. And uh, we've been talking about all kinds of things. Different people have been bringing kinds of, different kinds of things. For those of you that haven't been with us, the two uh, views that I've brought, insights hopefully that I've brought on what it means to live a spirit-led life is the first thing we looked at together was that it's an invitation to live a, a life of power, but not our power, but his power. And, uh, and then yesterday we talked about the spirit-led life is one where we get to know him as father and to live in his love. 
And tonight, the thing I want to talk about, on, in many ways, it's on the back of where we left off. That wasn't planned, but that song that we were just singing, I Surrender, and you can have it all, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Because I want to say that if we're going to live a spirit-led life, we need to be a people who say yes to God. You can have it all. I surrender. And the trouble is, if we don't get yesterday firm in our heads and in our hearts and remember that he's a good father who loves us, that can freak us out a bit. Saying I surrender to someone that we don't trust and don't know is a scary thing. So when I was younger, I was absolutely convinced that saying yes to God would mean that he would make me marry the person in my youth group that I really didn't enjoy spending time with or particularly find fun looking at their face. That's what I really thought he would make me do. And so when new people would join the the youth group, I'd get totally freaked out that it might be them. And I'd be like, God, please don't make me marry them. Um, And anyway, I mean, and they were lovely. And I'm sure someone else has married them and they're really, really happy. But that's what used to freak me out. (laughs) And you know, I don't know if any of you have caught sight of my husband this week, but I need you to know he did not make me marry the weirdo in the youth group. Um, He's lovely, really, and and, and, uh, he's handsome. Right, (laughs) so getting beyond that, the other thing I used to really think that God would send me to whichever place in my mind that I would think is the worst place in the world to go, some might say Watford, um, but wherever that would be, that's where I would think that God would send me. And so what I would try and do is not have that thought in my head in case he saw it. Or I'd even try double bluffing him. I'd love to go and live there. Because I was scared that he would make me do the opposite of what I wanted to do. And I was scared that he would be mean to me. But he's a good father. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to challenge us because he is. We talked yesterday about uh, when we want to kind of get a sense of what it looks like to live this spirit-led life, let's start by looking at Jesus, who did it perfectly. And Jesus was someone who perfectly surrendered, who perfectly said yes We talked last night really briefly about the story of his baptism. And just after that moment, it says that the Spirit uh, drove him, sent him into the wilderness. And Jesus was obedient to that, that he went and had 40 really hard days. But he said yes to that. And then we see his ultimate yes, really, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even before the cross, when it's looming in front of him, and he has that... um, awful, amazing, awful, intimate prayer time with the Father, where he says, is there any other way? Can there be any other way of doing this? And when the Father says, basically, we don't hear that side of the conversation, but what we see is Jesus saying, not my will, but yours. In other words, yes. Living a spirit-led life is one where we say yes to God. I was at a conference about 18 months ago, and you know what it's like when you're at a conference? It's easy to say yes to him. And uh, I was in having one of those yes moments. I was in worship and I was enjoying his presence and singing to him. And I was just doing that thing, a bit of what we did tonight, where I just said, you know, just so you know, God, anything you say, anything you say, I'll do. I put it all on the table. I was saying, I love my job. I love the things that you've called me to. But if there's anything you want me to do differently, I'll do anything for you. And he said to me in that moment, really clearly, I felt him whisper, Ali, I want you to start picking up dog poo. I was like, are you serious? (laughs) And you know when you know that God's spoken, because you would never have come up with it, but it's like, oh my goodness, that kind of makes sense. Okay, so this is the backstory to the dog poo moment. As you, as you know, if you've been here already this week, I'm a mum. I've got two small children. They're now five and seven. So at this time, they were like three and six, something around there. I can't remember. And so I, um, I do a lot of walking. In Watford, you can walk everywhere. You can walk to school. You can walk to church. I can walk to work. I can walk to the doctors, the shops. It's brilliant. I love it. But we seem to have a dog poo problem in Watford. People have dogs. They dogs do what they do. And then no one picks it up. And it makes me mad because I'm walking everywhere with the kids. And at this time, I still have a stroller and so I'd be going along with the kids on the way to school on the way to church on the way to the doctor wherever I'm going and constantly I'm scanning the horizon for an offensive pile of something and I'm the weird lady and I'm like watch for the dog poo you know I'm always like that and as I'm doing this with my sunny mummy face on watch for the dog poo inside I'm like I hate these people I hate these dog owning people I'm gonna do something if I ever find the one that you know, thing is I once did see someone who had a dog whose dog did something and they didn't pick it up 
but I'm English, so I just went, good morning. And inside, I was like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And I was thinking, I'm going to write to the council. I'm going to get them to put cameras up on every street corner, which somehow I will fund by having an all-night something to raise money for cameras, to spy on dogs' bums, to see who this is. This was my internal conversation for a long time. And then I'm at this conference, and I'm saying yes to God. And God says, Ali, serve me and serve the streets where you live. Show love practically, just as some of you have been doing today, by scraping off other people's chewing gum. Ali, pick up the dog poo. And I just went, do you know what? I'm not sure I can. Like, genuinely, I'm not sure I can. Partly because it's gross, but also super embarrassing. Because what woman who doesn't own a dog walks around <laughs> picking up dog poo? People talk about that kind of person. And anyway, so this is my struggle. And the way I left it with God was, I want to say yes to you, but I'm freaking out right now. And so I'm going to give it a tentative yes. And can you just be patient with me while I try and get my head around this? Anyway, so I went home and uh, I said to my husband, I think God's been speaking to me. I think he's been telling me to pick up dog poo. John knows me really well. He didn't even bat an eyelid. But he... Um, my, he actually works in the pet supply industry. And uh, this usually um, doesn't have much bearing on the things that God's talking to me about, like as in that particular part of where he works. But the next day he came home from work and he had made me a dog poo package. Not, no, that sounds wrong. Okay, he'd made me <laughs> a kit, a supply, a, 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 a supply bag to enable me to be obedient. And so he put in there, you know, the little carrier bags and there was a pack of wipes and there was some rubber gloves. And so I said, thank you very much. That's the oddest romantic gift you've ever given me, but I will take it. And I put it on the back of the stroller. Stroller, it's because we don't actually say stroller in England or stroller, stroller. We say, um, how'd you like it? Uh, we say buggy, but I know that buggy isn't a word that you use and it sounds a bit like booger and I know you do have that word and we're already talking about dog poo, so let's move on. Right. So I put it on the back of the stroller and every day for two months, I did not pick up dog poo for two months, every day. I would, I would want to, but I was scared. I know it sounds silly, but I, did, I would want to and I couldn't. Anyway, one day I'm walking home from church and uh, Joel and Esther, my daughter, they had gone a bit ahead and I was with my son and it was a lovely day. Not that that's relevant to the story, but it was. In England, it's always relevant. It was a lovely day. You take it where you can. And I said to him, um, hey, Will, I feel like God's been talking to me about something. Do you want to know what it is? And he said, yes. And I said, I feel like he's been telling me to pick up dog poo. And Will went, then do it. Now, this is not because he's a super Spiro boy. This is because God's talking to his mom about dog poo, and that's cool. So he said, then do it. And I said, I'm a bit scared. Will you do it with me? And he said, yes. So we walked home from church. And every time we came to a pile of dog poo, he would hand me a bag. And I would, I'm not going to go into it, but I would pick up the dog poo. And it was an amazing walk home from church. Will and I had such fun together. As we I, know, I know that sounds weird. <laughs> I'm not recommending it for Parenting 101. I'm just saying we had fun together. We, had, we did. We had a laugh. I mean, it was disgusting. We had a laugh. And as we're enjoying each other's company and being kind of like in this crazy situation together, I just felt the love of the Father, the intimacy, he, the, his pleasure that I was saying yes and I was doing that with my boy, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. God was so patient with me as I said, yes, in principle, let me get there. One of my heroes in the Bible, one of the stories that I love is, uh, is Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel appears to her and says that you're going to have a baby um, from God. And we read about it in Luke chapter 1, and I left my Bible on the sofa, so I'm really hoping, yay! Okay, so Luke chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings! I'm trying to undo my water. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I love this. I love that Mary, she, you know, she had questions. How can this happen? This is kind of weird what you're saying. But her heart and her mouth said, yes, yes, I'll do this. I'm yours. I'm in. I surrender. You can have me. Yes. Another one I love is Noah. Noah, when he's given this crazy command to build an ark, it's crazy. He lives in a place where rain is not normal, and then God gives him this instruction to build this massive, massive boat. And it says in Genesis 6.22 that Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Yes. And like for both of them, that yes had some pretty huge consequences that they couldn't have actually known when they first said yes. I mean, apart from anything else for Noah, being thrown about on the floodwaters while everyone around him died. And yet, what he must have experienced when God closed the door in him and just knowing that he was at the center of where God would place him. For Mary, you know, the ridicule, the, the rejection that she would have gone through in that culture, this unmarried young woman. And then not only the rejection, the suspicion, but also then the agony of watching what her son went through, seeing him on the cross. And yet, also, she got to hold the creator of the universe in her arms. She got to nurse the king of kings. And if we want um, an adventure rather than just a holiday, like there was this most amazing cruise liner at the Harbour Bridge yesterday, and uh, I was like, yes, I get me on there. You know, it looks really appealing. You just lay around all day and look at the sights as it passes you by. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and there's, you know, the balcony that looks out over everything. And it looks kind of cool. But really, do we want to go by life just like floating along on some sort of spiritual cruise line or watching the sights? Or do we want an adventure with God where we get to run with him and walk with him and see what he's doing and be part of it? If we want that, let's say yes. If we want the intimacy that Jesus knew with the Father, rather than just an easy life, then let's say yes. In the 1800s in the US of A, the president was this guy called Thomas Jefferson. And uh, he's out one day with a bunch of his friends and they're horse riding, because that's how you got around in those days, um, if you had enough money for a horse, I guess. And uh, they're going for a horse ride and they come to a place where there's a river in front of them and there's been flooding in the area and this river is swollen at its banks. And the bridge that they were going to go over to cross to the other side has been completely washed away. And so they realize that there's no other thing for it, but they're going to have to go through the river on horseback. And as they're about to do that, a man approaches the group of them. And out of anyone in the group, out of all of them, the one that he makes a beeline for and goes straight to is the president. And he says to the president, I need to get to the other side as well. Is there any chance that I could catch a lift with you on the back of your horse? And Thomas Jefferson says yes. And so together, whoops, they cross to the other side. Now, one of the group of friends that's with Thomas Jefferson is intrigued. Why did the man approach the president? Because this is in the days before newspapers, before Snapchat, Snapchat <laughs> before Instagram. Before, so it's not like his face would have been familiar, but he went straight to the president. So he said, the friend says to this guy, what made you choose him? And the guy's astounded. He had no idea that this guy 
was the president. But his answer was this. As I approached the group, all I knew was that on some of your faces was written the answer no, and on some of your faces was the answer yes. And his was a yes face. And when God looks at his people, us, his people that he loves, he's looking for a yes face. He's looking for a yes heart. He's looking for a yes life. I surrender. Before Mother Teresa was called to Calcutta, where she lived out the rest of her years serving the poorest of the poor, she made two vows, two wonderful, incredibly dangerous vows. She said to God, I will refuse you nothing. I will do your bidding without delay. And I want to suggest that if we're going to attempt to live a yes life, they're not, that's not a bad place to start. I'll refuse you nothing. I will do your bidding without delay. Let's look at those two vows. I will refuse you nothing. I don't know if you've come across this whole thing about love languages. This book has been going around for a while now. Some of you might have read it. Some of your parents might have read it. It's kind of based on this um, theory that we all um, receive love in different ways. And so they kind of bring it down to these five things. Time, touch, gifts, acts of service, and I should have written that down. Who? Words. Way. And the idea being that you're meant to work out the people in your life that you love. You're meant to kind of work out what is their love language, and you're meant to understand yours. I find that really hard because you're meant to kind of boil it down to one, but I'm always scared that if I commit to one and tell my husband, okay, it's quality time, then he won't buy me gifts anymore, and secretly, and I feel bad, but gifts are actually my love language, and then I feel a bit shallow saying that. It's like, just give me presents, but I do. I love presents. On any occasion, any time, big, small, love presents, and, um, but it feels more Christian to say quality time. Anyway, um, <laughs> And so you're meant to work it all out. And truthfully, really the thing that gets me, the best gift is of food of any sort. So I feel like there should be an extra love language brought in there, which is just food. And so that's mine. God has a love language that isn't gifts, quality time, acts of service. His love language is obedience. Jesus says in, I think it's John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, say yes. Whatever I'm asking, whatever you see in my word that I'm telling you to do, say yes. Whatever I'm whispering to you by my Holy Spirit, say yes. Refuse him nothing. That's how we show him that we love him. And as part of that, saying I refuse you nothing means we need to reflect, is there any area of our life where we're saying no? Is there any area where we're saying, you can't touch that? I remember years ago, when I was a teenager, having a ginormous row with my mum. I don't know if that would be familiar to any of you, but having this ginormous row with my mum. And on this particular day, and we fought about all kinds of things, most commonly homework and the fact that I didn't do very much of it and slept instead. But on this particular day, the thing that we were rowing about was money. I used to be really rubbish with money. And mum and I were having this huge row. And at the end of this huge row, I delivered the killer line, you know, like you always want to do, like they always do in soap operas. And then they walk out and it's like, I want to live like that. Not really. Anyway, but I delivered my killer line where I said, that is it. From now on, you are never to talk to me about money again, ever. It's off the table. And then I thought we could carry on as normal. But what I quickly found out is that when a relationship really matters to you, it doesn't work to have no-go areas. You can't just take one thing off the table. You lose intimacy when you ring-fence an area and say, you can't have this. So maybe tonight we just need to check our hearts. Is there any area of our life, our career, our money, the way we spend our time, the things that he's asking of us. Is there anything where we're saying, you can have it all, God, just don't touch that. And if you become aware of an area, just say, okay, access all areas. I put it back on the table. You can have it. I will refuse you nothing. The second vow that Mother Teresa made 
was I would do your bidding without delay. For me, with my dog Poo, there was a big delay. And honestly, I wonder if I hadn't told Joel straight away, I wonder what would have happened. I wonder if I ever would have done it. What happens um, when we let there be a delay is that fear can creep in. And not only fear, but we second guess that we ever heard from him in the first place. We tell ourselves, there's no way he would talk to me about picking up dog poo. And we've second guessed that. I love the story of Abraham. I mean, it's a crazy one. But the story of Abraham where he's asked to sacrifice his son, his only son whom he loves, the son that he's been waiting for. This is what God lays before him. And it says in Genesis, early the next morning. And it was almost as if Abraham knew if he didn't say yes straight away at the first opportunity, I'll never do it. If I even give this a day, if I give this a full 24 hours, I will, I will talk myself out of this. I will step back so early the next morning. And when God is speaking to you, the best thing we can do is get on with it, is to make a start. Do it before you're ready. Do it before you feel like you've got everything in place. Don't let fear step in, uh, creep in. Now, the good news is, is if there is a delay, because he's faithful uh, he, and patient, he'll just keep nudging you. And if even after that you miss it, there'll be other opportunities. So a few months after the dog poo moment, uh, God spoke to me again, a real clear uh, thing. And he said to me, um, well, it was about this. The road I live on, a new business started in a section of the road, just a bit down from where the houses are. And this business was really ugly. It was like a scrapped car dealership. And so they filled the road and they owned this part of the road. And they filled it with like, you know, cars that were in this awful condition and it was leading to vandalism. And everyone in the neighborhood was just outraged by it. I mean, I've already said Watford is not the prettiest place anyway. So when you start collecting scrap cars and putting them pretty much on my front doorstep, it's like, give me the dog poo after all, you know? And so people were really antsy about this. They were cross about the scrap car dealership. And I was walking past um, them as I did most days and again, feeling angry. I'm not angry as much as I might make it sound, but I was angry about this scrap. And I felt that God said to me, Ali, I want you to make the muffins. Make this business muffins and go welcome them to the neighborhood. And I was like, and I, again, I knew it was him. I remember telling a friend, oh, God's been speaking to me and telling me to make muffins. And this friend laughed at me and said, you have the oddest prayer life. <laughs> and it is true, I do. But actually, there was something lovely in that because friends talk to each other about weird things, don't they? And um, so there was a real intimacy in that. And I knew that this was what God was saying. But this time, I didn't say yes. I second-guessed myself. I felt embarrassed to walk into this very male environment with a basket of muffins like Red Riding Hood and be like, welcome. I mean, I didn't obviously have to do welcome, but that's what I had going on in my head. And just, I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And then the moment passed, you know, they weren't a new business anymore. It would have been weird to say welcome. They were like, we've been here a while, weirdo. You know, and it, the moment passed. And what happens is when there is a delay, it's not that God says, right, well, you're obviously not a yes person. I'll go and find someone else. It's not that because he's patient and he's kind. But what dies is something in us because we feel like that we can't be trusted. We feel like maybe we're not good enough. We feel like he won't, he won't trust us. And so then it's like we stop offering ourselves. And so the other thing I want to put to you, so have a think about your no-go areas but the other thing I want to put to you is, is it time just to put yourself out there again and say, okay, God, I know I haven't always done this perfectly. I know I haven't always said yes to you. I know that I've sung I surrender, but I haven't lived I surrender. None of us have perfectly. The only one who's done this perfectly is Jesus. And so if you know that there are things that he's been nudging you to do and you've not been doing, just, just put yourself out there again and say yes to him. You know, the fear will rise up and we'll think it's going to look massive. He's going to make me stand on a street corner shouting, who wants to be healed? And almost certainly he's not because he's kind. Remember we talked about the Holy Spirit. He takes us by the hand and leads us. And he wants to grow your faith. He wants to grow your obedience. So with me, he started with dog poo. 
And I don't know where he's going to start with you, but he's not unkind. He's going he's to take you from where you are today. You don't need to fear. I'm not saying that it won't be hard, but I am saying that you can trust him. And what's the worst that can happen anyway when we say yes to him? The worst that can happen is we feel like idiots. And if we do, God's people, we're in good company. We've got the disciples to look to for a start. Who were, they were yes people, they were in it, but they were forever doing and saying stupid things for all to see and to be recorded for the whole of history. And so you've got things like, you know that day when um, the children wanted to hang out with Jesus and they did their best bouncer act of saying, so sorry, but Mr. Savior's too busy to play today. And they thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were being yes people. They thought that that was part of their job description. And then in comes Jesus and says, no, you've got this one totally wrong again. The kingdom is for them. And I wonder if I had been there, whether for me that would have been enough to make me go, oh, that's just one too many times that I've made a mistake. And there's someone over there that's going to be writing all of this down. <laughs> you know, so I'll just play it safe from now on. But they didn't. They stuck with it. And much more importantly, Jesus stuck with them. And look where they ended up preaching the gospel throughout the known world, planting churches every which way you can. Their yes led to something incredible, even though they didn't get it right. I will quickly tell you about, um, am I, how am I doing for time? Thanks, says Matt. You can punch him later. Um, <laughs> there's a church near us. So we're in Watford. There's a church about half an hour away from us in a place called Bedford. And we, we like them. They're doing some great things. And we hang out with them from time to time. And uh, they decided a couple of years ago that they really wanted to be a church that said yes to God. And so they decided to spend a year celebrating a thousand acts of courage. They decided that every time someone in their church said yes to God and stepped out in faith, they were going to celebrate that no matter what the outcome. And so what they would do is they would get together in their meetings like this and they would have a time of storytelling, what's God been up to this week? And someone would stand up and say, um, I really felt like I should offer to pray for someone for healing in the supermarket today. And so I said, I see you've got a broken leg. I'm a Christian. I believe that God heals today. Is there any chance you'd let me pray for their leg? And they said, no. And then the whole church would like get to their feet and give them a round of applause. Yay, you stepped out. You went for it. You did it. They did that and they kept recording because they knew that when it comes to being a yes people, it's not the results. Actually, eventually, God will take care of the results as he grows us, but it's not the results. That obedience is success. Saying yes, that is the battle. If you want to be a yes person, start and leave the results up to him. He will grow us. And the other thing I want to say in all of this, about being yes people, having a yes face, a yes heart, living a yes life, is within that, let's choose to be a William to each other. That that day that I said to him, oh, can I tell you, I feel like God's been speaking to me, and he said, then do it. And I said, will you come with me? And he said, yes. I love this little insight that we read in 1 Samuel 14. Don't worry, I'm not about to start a whole new sermon. I'm just going to tell you this that there's uh, Jonathan, the son of Saul, the king. And Jonathan has this plan, this idea that he's going to go and raid the Philistine outpost. And so he says to his armor bearer, will you come with me? And the armor bearer says to him, go ahead and do all that you have in mind. I am with you, heart and soul. And if we want to be a community where we see God do more, where we see him at work in the lives of our friends, on our streets, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, further afield, where we see his justice poured out, we want to be yes people. The way it's going to work is if we choose to stand with each other and say, you feel like God's speaking to you. Well, I've got your back. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to pray for you. If you want me to, I'll come with you. I'll do that stuff with you. I don't necessarily feel like God's saying it for me, but if you're doing it, I'll come with you. Do all that you have in mind. I am with you, heart and soul. Let's cheer one another on to obedience. Whatever he is leading you to, whether he's calling you to be more generous, whether he's calling you to pray for people, whether he's calling you to step out in boldness and uh, you feel like maybe he's spoken to you for someone and it's like, oh, okay, I'm going I'm to say even in a ministry time, I think God might want to encourage you with this word whether he's calling you to lay something down, whether he's calling you to pick something up, 
Whatever it is that he's calling you to, choose today. God, I'll refuse you nothing. I'll do your bidding without delay. I will live a yes life. I will have a yes face. I will have a yes heart. And by the way, I'm going to cheer your people on, even as you call me to do this. Okay, that's the end of the movie. But what we're going to do now is just have a quick bonus feature. Is that all right? Have you got it in you to give me just a couple more minutes? Thank you so much. (laughs) Well done. Okay, we've been talking about living a spirit-led life. And there's just one real quick aspect that I don't massively want to teach on because I don't have time. I just want to quickly chat about it. And this aspect of um, the Spirit-led life is the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to enable us to pray. And you know what? When we feel weak in prayer, and most of us do, when we feel weak in prayer, we feel weak in every kind of area of our life. And the Holy Spirit wants to enable us to pray. And it says in the Word of God that one of the things he does is he, he, that's exactly, he prays from within us with sighs and groans to deep words. And there's a gift that he wants to give his people. And I want to say right now, you don't have to have this gift. This gift is not a badge to be worn. This gift is not about those that do and those that don't. But if you want it, you can have it. And that's the gift of tongues. And for those of you, we've been journeying together this week. We've seen it in our gatherings. There have been times where we've just enjoying his presence, worshiping him. We've sung out to him using a language that is not our own. It's a prayer language that he gives us. And I just want to say, if you want it, you can have it. Why would you want it? Well, the Bible tells us that it edifies us. It's good for us. How is it good for us? Two things that I want to highlight for you is it it gives your soul a voice. I remember the first time I I spoke in tongues, I was nine years old. And um, trust me, this is not a bad story. I'm not like, I was nine years old when I was just praying for someone on my street to be raised from the dead. It's not that story. (laughs) I'd gone on holiday with my family, and I'm one of three girls, and I'm the middle girl, so I never had my own bedroom. And on holiday, my parents decided I could be the one to have my own room. I thought this was amazing. So I was lying in bed, and I was just saying to Jesus, thank you so much, thank you so much, I get my own room. I didn't do anything with this room, I just, it's my own room, I love it. And I just kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I ran out of ways to say thank you, but my heart couldn't stop saying thank you. And the next thing I knew, I was speaking to God in a language that I didn't recognize, but I knew it was him. And I remember I went home from that holiday and I told my Sunday school teacher about what happened. And she said, that's the gift of tongues, now just use it every day. And for me, that night, it gave my soul a voice when I ran out of ways to say thank you. And for us in our worship, it's like we've said you're wonderful. We've said you're amazing. You're so kind. You're so loving. You're so good. There's so much more of who you are. We're running out of words. And so we use this language that he gives us. It gives our soul a voice, but not just in thanksgiving, not just in worship. One of the ways where speaking in tongues is helpful to us is it gives our soul a voice when we've run out of words, when we are praying for the same situation and we're doing it again and again and again and we don't know how to pray when we look at situations in our families in our schools on the news I don't know how to pray God sometimes I don't know about you but when I'm praying about things on the news I feel like I don't understand enough even to know how to pray or if I'm praying for healing it's like in the name of Jesus knee will be healed knee will be healed he'll be healed no anyway Knee be healed. There we go. I was thinking, why does that sound wrong? Anyway, it could be Neil be healed. If you're here and you're called Neil, God might want to heal you tonight. But anyway, that's a tongue twister, right? And I don't know about you, but I run out of words in praying for healing because I'm not a doctor. So I don't know all the things that could be wrong with his knee. So I don't know how to, you know, when you don't know how to pray, the spirit wants to pray in you and for you. And the gift of tongues is one of the ways that he gives our soul a voice. Another thing, briefly, is that when we pray in tongues, it draws us closer to God. And we talked on the second night about the powers in his presence. And when we want his power, and we do need his power to live the life that he's calling us to live, then praying in tongues is one of the ways that he draws us close to him. You don't have to have it, but if you want it, you can. We talked on that second night about you will receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. Well, here's another will. Ask and you will receive, said Jesus. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. If you want this, it's for you. And I want to just put that out there for you. It's not something you have to look on the outside and go, oh, there's that person over there that can. If you want it, you can. Ask, trust that he wants to give it to you. And at some point, you want to try. 
For some people, it might be that it happens really easily. I think for me, because I was nine and my brain wasn't second-guessing myself, it just happened quite easily. For lots of us, it's harder because our brain gets in the way and it, you know, there's a lot to get your head around. But actually, give it a try. Ask your youth leader to pray with you and then go and maybe sit somewhere tomorrow under a tree and give it a go. Or when we're in our worship later on tonight and the music is happening around you, give it a go. He wants to give you this thing to help you draw him close to him and give your soul a voice. Okay, special feature is done. Let's stand. Okay, if you're visiting us tonight and you haven't been doing this journey with us, just want to let you know that what we're doing in every one of our main meetings is just making sure that we're leaving time for us to respond to whatever God is doing in us. But, but not just that, we're also wanting to give him time to do whatever he wants to do. And we hope that that's the case in all of our meeting. But specifically, this is a time where we clear the decks for him. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you again, as we have every time so far, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you meet with us, your people? We look to you, we wait on you, we offer ourselves to you. And as we wait, you might just want to sit before him on one or other of those questions. Is there anything you've taken off the table? Is there any area of your life that you've said no? And the other one, was, is there an area of your life where you know in the past he's spoken to you and you've not done it and it's meant that you've stopped offering yourself? Is it time to surrender again? Holy Spirit, as we stand before you in those two questions, thank you that you're kind. Just come and speak. Come and meet with us, we pray. keep focusing on him, allowing him to speak. And he's all over this room. For some of you, it's just going to be very personal. It's just like between you and him. You're just, talk, you're just talking. You're just having a conversation, whether it's about muffins or anything else. You're just having your conversation. That's good. But all day I've had in my head that song, I didn't know it until this week, Oh, Come to the Altar. Is that right, that line, Oh, Come to the Altar? And I felt like just as we stood now that there's a, there's a call for some of you tonight just to offer yourself again. You don't even know what that means, but you're just saying, by the way, you've got me. I've sung it already tonight. I've begun to step out towards you on this, but I just want to say you've got me. And if that's you, and in many ways, we could all respond to that and say, okay, yeah, I'm in. But for some of you, it's, it's kind of more like the heart-hammering moment. If you just know that this is your, your moment that God's saying, are you in? Yes, God, I'm in. In a moment, I want you to come forward so we can pray for you. But before that, just one other thing that I felt like God has been saying is that for some of you, the specific area of yes is around the area of evangelism and mission. And you know, like, we're all called to that. Again, I'm not going to preach another sermon, but we're all called to tell other people about Jesus. But for some of you, you know it's not just something that you're called to, but it's the thing that you're called to. And some of you, you get a sense that God wants to send you somewhere else. Some of you, you get the sense that God wants to keep you right here in Sydney or Australia. But if that's you, then I want you to come forward too. And as you come, you're coming to the altar, and the altar is the place where you give yourself to Jesus. So if that's you, you know that God is just saying, are you in? And you want to say tonight, yes, in a new way, in a very real way, I'm in. And if you feel this call to evangelism and mission, wherever that might be, and you don't even have to know where that might be, but if that's you, you're offering yourself evangelism and mission, come forward, come now. We want to pray for you. We want to pray that God would meet with you, that he would equip you, 
who bless and encourage you. Just come now. Come now. Don't anyone come and pray just yet, but come forward for prayer now. Come forward to offer yourself. I'm in. And this whole thing about evangelism and mission. Anyone else? I think there is maybe one or two others. I think there's one or two others and you've just, there's that fear thing of like, I don't know if I can. Remember he's good. Remember he's kind. He calls you out of the boat. He doesn't shove you out of it. And now I want to pray. Holy Spirit, fill this whole room, but I want to pray especially an anointing on our brothers and sisters who just have heard your invitation again tonight. Come, lay your life down. God, would you begin to rest on them, equip them to do what they cannot do. Come in power, we pray. Anoint them. Anoint the sacrifice of their life, Lord, for those called to mission, for those who know that you're calling them to spend their life telling others about you, and they've got no idea how or to who, but they just know that this is a call. Would you anoint them for that? Increase their heart for the lost. Increase their heart, God, for for this nation and for other nations. Fall on them by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, Jesus. Now, others, would you begin just to come and pray? As you come to pray, remember what we're doing here. We're not looking to pray long prayers over them. We're coming as they meet with Jesus. We're coming to meet with Jesus with them because we're going to be asking, what have you got, God? What do you want to do? What do you want to say? We're going to come and we're going to stand in front of them. We're going to pray us who are praying with our eyes open so that we can see what the Holy Spirit is doing. And what we're going to do is say, Holy Spirit, more. Holy Spirit, we bless what you're doing. And we're going to be opening up our ears for what he might want to say, for how he might want to speak. So come, Lord, would you come? And just so you know, I'm not sure if we've said this or not yet, but we've got a little team of people who are here just to help you. So if you're feeling a bit like, I want to pray for someone, but I don't know if I've done this before, I don't know how to do it, then some of our team will be coming around just looking to encourage you and to help you with that. And so grab one of them if you're not sure. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. And again, let's just remind ourselves, the meeting has not now split in two. This is not now just about those who are around the stage. Jesus is here all over this room. He's drawing close. He's speaking. And in a minute, what we're going to do is worship. We're going to worship him with our songs as we pray. So maybe if um, the band want to come up. But what we do want to do is give this time. I know I've said it before, but we're not very good at waiting. We're not very good at spending, at being still and listening to his voice. We want to give this time. The more we wait, the more he does. more of you I don't know if you've come forward already but I think there's one or two here and and you're feeling like how could I ever tell people about Jesus I feel like I can't string a sentence together I just you know I'm one of those people in England we say you wouldn't say boo to a goose I don't know if you have that here but you, you feel very timid I think there might actually be someone here and you've got a stammer or a stutter and you're like you know, my words, they just don't come out the way I want them to. But God says, it's not about you. Remember, 
It's in your weakness that his power is made evident. So if you haven't already come forward, if you've even discredited yourself because of that, then would you come so that we can pray for you, that, you, that his power would rest on you to equip you for this? Come, Lord, more of you, more of you all over this room, more of you. If you haven't come forward, you might want to still be sitting in those questions. Is everything on the table? Are you still offering yourself? And let's take a moment as we pray and as we worship just to say yes.